Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. Open with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offer him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? Because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You may be seated. As we begin this morning, uh, let me tell you that what we're going to discuss today, starting in verse 31, can only apply to you as if you know Christ as Lord and Savior. These promises are only for those who have been saved. So as we go through this this morning, if you're saying, I don't feel loved, if you're saying, I don't have peace, if you're saying, I feel rejected, if you're saying to yourself, I'm ashamed, if you're saying to yourself, I feel like I have been defeated, this message is for you. If you need to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, today is the day. And if you do, These promises you can take home with you. But make no mistake, if Christ is not our Savior, these verses I read to you, they are meaningless. For they are for God's children and his children alone. So as we go through this message today, and as we talk about these things, reflect Reflect on your life and reflect on what you're going through and reflect on what it is that's hurting you this morning and be encouraged by the word of our Lord. Amen. He says, what then are we to say about these things? He's talking about everything prior to verse 31. What he's doing is he's talking about the promises of God. In fact, in verse 29, he says, For those he foreknew, talking about God, God also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, 
He also called and those he called. He also justified and those he justified. He also glorified. He said, if you've been called and if you've been, you've answered that call. If the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart today. You need to answer the call. If you answer that call, then he says, what then are we to say about these things? What more can I say that God has already chosen you and that God has already called you and that God has already glorified you? In fact, that word glorified is talking about a future state, yet Paul uses the past tense. Why? Because it means that when you are predestined and then you were chosen and you were called, it is guaranteed that you will be glorified. Amen. You will be glorified. What does that mean? It means that someday I'm going to have a new body. And someday the sinful flesh is going to be shed. It means that someday the pain and the depression and the anger and the resentment and the anxiety, all of the things that the world has placed upon you and I, we will be free from it. Amen. And when you and I are glorified, we'll be able to enjoy the presence of God like Adam and Eve did in the garden before they fell, before sin entered into this world. Why? Because we will then, as God said, be holy as He is holy. Only then, when we are glorified, can we truly be everything that God wants us to be. And the great thing is that He that has started a good work in us will follow it, will follow it until the day of completion. Yes. Amen. Yes. Meaning, it's assured that you and I will be glorified. No matter what you and I face upon this earth, we rest in the hope that it is not always going to be that way. No matter what you and I suffer on this earth, we rest in the joy knowing that we have a hope and a future that is beyond the temporary that is eternal. And what Paul is talking about here, starting with verse 31, is the eternal. Yes. It is the eternal. As Paul is writing these verses and we go through them, you need to understand that Paul has been stoned to death but did not die. You need to understand that he's in jail and has been jailed and beaten multiple times. But in this particular occasion, he's been in jail. He's getting ready to go to Rome at some point where he's going to stand before Caesar and he's going to be beheaded. He has suffered a shipwreck and been stranded on an island. He's been beaten over and over again and put in jail. He has suffered greatly. His life has not, by any circumstances, been what you and I consider to be abundant. In fact, you and I probably would have laid down and died after the first stoning. He was stoned twice and left for dead, but did not die. Yet Paul endured. And this is why he could endure. These verses are for you and I for today and tomorrow and the future to remind us as we suffer and as things come and go in our lives that there is a hope and a future. If God is for us, 
Who is against us? Who is God? He revealed himself to Abraham as El Shaddai, God Almighty. That pretty much sums it up. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he's ever-present. Everywhere at once. Knowing the beginning from the end. And perfectly capable of intervening in human events because of his power to ensure that his perfect will is always done. The agnostic believes that God threw a creator threw everything together and then simply set it in motion and stepped away and does not care. The atheist believes it all happened by accident and by chance and that there is no governance except the laws of nature. But what you and I as Christians believe that we serve a God who not only designed the divine order of things and breathed life into man, but that he is also actively involved in this world to ensure that his purposes are always accomplished. That does not mean that his purposes always line up with what we want, for his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We do not see the world as God sees the world. We do not see our lives as God sees our lives. But here's the thing. If God is for you, no matter what you see with your eyes, and no matter what people say with their mouths, and no matter what they do with their actions, if God is for you, nothing, no one can ever be against you. That means that there is no one or no thing in this world that can ever prevent God's will from being done in your life. No one, no thing. Why? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for his, us all. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his son for those who would reject him and for those who would accept him. And if God would allow his son to die for even those who would reject him, how much soul will he love and take care of those who have accepted him? See, God has a general love for all mankind. For God so loved the world. That's everybody. But you and I who accept him as Lord and Savior, he has a special love. That means uh, we're no longer at war with him. We're at peace with him. We're his heir. We're his son. We're his daughter. So therefore we go from just that general love for the world, but to a peculiar love where he loves you and I. And if he he loves the world, that he gave his son for those of us who know him as Lord and Savior, who he loves with that special, peculiar love that you and I cannot understand nor comprehend, he will ensure that we are taken care of. Yes. So the one who sent his son to not just die for those who accept him, but those who also would reject him, how will he not also with him grant us everything? Now, that doesn't mean that he'll give you everything that you want. That does not mean that he will make sure that you and I have a mansion on 10 acres of land and an in-ground swimming pool. It doesn't mean that you'll get to drive the car that you want or necessarily get the boy or the girl that you want for your boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse. 
It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get everything that you want in life. But what it does mean is that it means that God will ensure that everything that you need to accomplish the purpose and his will for your life, Amen. he will make sure that it is given and it gets to you. Amen. We must trust him that his purpose is greater than my purpose Amen. and your purpose. So that even in the midst of suffering, we know that even in that suffering, he says earlier in verse 8, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to the purpose, his purpose. Who could bring an accusation? Now, when we start with verse 33, I want you to imagine this. Imagine a courtroom. A courtroom. We've got lots of dramas on TV that shows courtrooms. You even got courtroom TV where they show all kinds of different cases and trials and things as severe as murder trials to things as frivolous as someone owes me $50 like people's court, right? We get an open view into the courtroom. I want you to imagine a courtroom at a murder trial. Something, a heinous act that has happened that is so bad that you cannot understand how someone could be set free. Because that is what we're talking about here. So you and I, the Bible says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. Our rebelliousness before God, our refusal to be obedient to him, our refusal to accept him as Lord and Savior, our refusal to submit our lives to him as Lord of our life, that is punishable by death. That's capital punishment. It is so heinous in the eyes of God that he made a way that you and I could be saved by setting his own son to be sacrificed. Why? So that he could die in your and my place. So imagine a courtroom. Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? So you're a defendant, and you're sitting there behind the desk as a defendant. You're shackled and you're chained. You are uh, known the outcome because you're guilty. You know that you've done. The evidence has been presented. You have been accused, and you should be found guilty. You have stood accused, and I have stood accused, and I am guilty. But he says, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who can condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, has been raised. He also is the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So as you are sitting waiting for your verdict to come back. Jesus is your representation. Amen. And Jesus says, I know it looks real bad. I know they look guilty. I know they deserve judgment. I know they deserve punishment. But here's the thing. Take their handcuffs off and put them on me. He says, take me instead, and I will cover their punishment. He says, I set them free by paying the price for them. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And when Jesus sets you free, 
you are free indeed. When Jesus took our place, we don't have to be judged by anyone but God. And when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see my yellow jumpsuit of guilt or my orange jumpsuit of guilt. What he sees is the righteousness of his son who willingly gave his life so that you and I do not have to be punished. And so therefore, if it is Christ who died and he was raised and he stands at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us, who then can condemn us and who then can bring an accusation because they are not condemning you, they are condemning God. And they're not accusing you, they are accusing God. Why? Because God set you free. Amen. And no one can stand against God. Now, maybe I'm not presenting it right this morning because you're all kind of looking at me. But let me, uh, let me explain to you. Uh, I watched a video this week, and it was people's reactions to being given life in prison. And there were those who were crying and screaming. There were those who had to be drugged out of the courtroom fighting and kicking and biting. There were all of these reactions to be giving life in prison because they knew there was no chance for parole. They were going, their lives were essentially over. And so they did not go in grace. They went in fear and doubt and condemnation and guilt and shame and anxiety. See, if Christ did not die, and if you and I do not accept Christ, uh, as our Lord and as our Savior, we're just like one of those. Condemned and without hope of parole. Deserving only to be bound and cast aside to never be remembered again. But if we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, Instead of being dragged out, Jesus takes us by the hand. He undoes our shackles and he gives us a hug and tells us he loves us. So if Jesus stands at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us, then who can separate us from the love of Christ? If he stands next to God the Father and he intercedes on your behalf, then who can get in between you and God's love. Nobody. Because Jesus is the one who fills the gap. And so therefore no one can separate us from the love of Christ. No thing could separate us from the love of Christ. No circumstance can separate us from the love of God. He says can affliction, that means everyday trial, and suffering, the original Greek there means everyday trial, things that you deal with every day. The loss of a job, sickness, death of a family member, things that we endure in life because we're here in this world. And then he says, can distress. The Greek word there means to be confined to a tiny, small place without any chance of escape. Now we're talking about circumstances so far out of your control that you feel trapped and there's no way out. 
We're talking about people standing against you so that you feel that you have no hope, that you have no peace, that you have no joy, that you feel so trapped that only a miracle from God could ever set you free. Being trapped in a room where it's just enough room for you and no way out. That's the distress he's talking about. So not affliction, not the everyday cares of this world, nor the absolute attack uh, in your life of circumstances that seem like they're going to suffocate you. He then says that persecution cannot separate us from the love of God. Notice he doesn't say persecution won't happen. He doesn't say these things won't happen. He says they will not separate us from the love of Christ. Amen. So he, anyone that tells you that you get saved and if you have enough faith, all goes well, is a liar. Jesus said that they hated me, they'll hate you. They persecuted me, they'll persecute you. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. You and I will have trouble. That's the bad news. The good news is, he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. Meaning that hope, that glory, that no matter what I face on earth, does not affect my eternity in heaven. Okay, so he says, it's not we won't suffer, we will, but no matter what we suffer, we will never be separated from God's love, meaning he will never stop loving us, he will never turn his back on us, he will never be ashamed of us, he will never leave us or forsake us. So no matter how you feel, and in the midst of pain and suffering, no matter what the severity is, God is still there. He still loves you. Now, the enemy will attempt to convince you that you are not loved. There is no hope. But see, the word of God, the same word that you believe when you accept that Christ as Lord and Savior tells you that you are loved and none of those things can separate you from God's love. Amen. He says famine or nakedness, meaning no amount of poverty can separate us from God's love. No, your social economic status cannot separate you from God's love. Your education or lack thereof cannot separate you from God's love. Now notice, it doesn't say that you will not be poor and that there won't be times when you'll be naked. Because guess what? There are going to be times when you're pulling off the last, out the last you know, container of uh, oodles and noodles and wondering, hoping God will bless it, that you'll have more oodles and noodles the next night. Yeah. But even in the midst of that, we know that we're not separated from God's love, which is why Jesus, we can hold to the promise when Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble for itself. He said, you know, he said, Jesus, or God knows when a sparrow dies. And if God knows a sparrow, when he does, dies, how much more important is he to you? Or are you and I to him? He says that he closed the, the you know, field with flowers that wither and die. So how much more will he not take care of his own? So you may be eating noodles and noodles for a week, but at least we have oodles and noodles. Yeah. And we may be living in a one-bedroom apartment, but we have a roof over our head and clothes on our back and food on our table. Yes. We may be wearing the Walmart brand jeans, but at least we got jeans on you know what I'm saying? Like, we may not be wearing, you know, the latest fashion, but our bodies are covered and protected from the elements. Amen. That's what God promises. Right, yes. 
He says, danger and sword cannot separate us from God's love. War, a lack of peace, unrest in our society can never separate us from the love of God. We're still loved by God. Yes. And even though it seems like everything is gone to hell in a handbasket, even though it seems like everything is out of control, we can take peace in knowing that God still loves us Amen. and he's still there, he's still watching, and his will will always be done. We may not understand how or know why, but we can know because of his love and because we cannot be separated from his love that he will do what he said he will do. Amen. He says, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. He's quoting from Psalms here, and he's saying that because of God, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. In spite of persecution, in spite of the attacks of man, in spite of everything that you and I see in this world that looks like that Christians are being singled out and as persecution mounts and increases, remember that we're not suffering anything more than what the God's chosen apostles suffered. We talked a little bit about that uh, in our Bible study on Wednesday night. Now, having said all of that, both good and bad, because he's telling us we're going to suffer. He's telling us bad things are going to happen. He's telling us things aren't always going to turn out the way that we want. But it cannot separate us from the love of God. So having all of that, he goes into verse 37. No, and all of these things, pestilence and famine and nakedness and persecution, and all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Meaning that we can make it through those things because of Christ who loved us. Now I have to tell you. That when I look at myself, I consider myself to be very, very, very weak. In fact, uh, I, I would honestly say that I'm pretty fragile. Uh, and I am afraid to go through things. I'm afraid to go through hardship. I'm afraid to suffer. Doesn't mean I've never suffered. Doesn't never mean I never go through pain. But I'm always worried about the next bit of pain. And I'm always worried about the next bit of suffering, right? Because none of us like to suffer. But here's the thing. As we are promised that we will make it from point A to point B. We'll make it through the suffering. Amen. We are stronger, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. Yes. And we are conquerors, not because of my uh, strength. And not because of my intelligence. And not because of my ingenuity. And not because of my talent. We are conquerors because of God. Omnipotent, all-present, all-knowing yes. God. Yes. Amen. Nothing has nothing to do with me, and thank God, it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with Him. Amen. Because left to my own devices, I am weak, and I am frail, and I have no hope. Amen. 
But God shows us that we can be a conqueror through him. It may look bleak now, but we are always more than conquerors. Amen. And if we don't make it through, if we leave this earth in the midst of trial and suffering and pain, we're still a conqueror because when we leave this earth, we will find ourselves in heaven with a crown. For I am persuaded means he is convinced beyond all measure. Mm -hmm. Nothing will ever change his mind. Mm -hmm. Now, Paul isn't talking from behind a plexiglass pulpit with an Armani suit on mm -hmm. to 10,000 people getting ready to fly on his private jet to the next missionary location in the Bahamas. <laughs> Okay? Yeah. Uh, Paul is speaking from a prison cell with no freedom to who knows who he doesn't know because God laid it upon his heart hoping the letter will make it. His audience was the guard standing beside him. He could not see his audience with his physical eyes. He saw his audience with his spiritual eyes. And because of his faith and his ability to see things in the spiritual and not the natural is why he could say, I am persuaded. I am convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. Nothing will ever change my mind. I am persuaded. And I can tell you this, but many of us, are not persuaded. Amen. That's right. And I'm talking to myself today as well. Because at the first hint of trouble and pain and suffering, we question God's goodness. Amen. We question God's mercy and his grace. We question his character. Because we're not persuaded. Mm -hmm. Our dishwasher stops working and we get angry at God. Or our car needs a couple thousand dollars in repairs and we question God's goodness. Amen. Trivial things and the great scheme of things. Inconveniences and we question the goodness of God. And yet, Paul had none of those conveniences and suffered greatly. And yet he said, I am persuaded that in spite of everything I see with my physical eyes, and in spite of everything I have experienced in my physical body, with my spiritual eyes, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you and I know Christ as Lord and Savior, death is at the end. We have an eternity that's waiting for us to be in his presence. So death cannot separate us from the love of Christ. If you and I know Christ as Lord and Savior, 
Life cannot separate us from the love of Christ. Amen. And all of the horrible things that come with being alive in this world can never separate us from the love of Christ and God's purpose for us. Nor angels, that means principalities. That's not good angels. That's bad angels. That's demons. That's principalities. That's the worker, uh, the, the, the works of Satan who are coming against us, trying to destroy our lives, trying to destroy our homes and our families. Whisper in your ear that you're not loved or that you've gone too far or that your circumstances mean that God's forsaken or abandoned you. Uh, he cannot come between you and God's love. Amen. Nor rule. No leader can come between you and God's love. No dictator, no supervisor, no boss, no president. No person can come between you and God's love. No one who accuses you before God can change God's mind about you. nor things present, nor things to come, what you're facing now, and anything in the future, he covers that too. So even what you're worried about tomorrow cannot separate you from God's love, nor powers. That means government. That means your local government, your state government, your federal government. It means those who are in authority over no government system can separate us from the love of God. They may seem like they want to and they may strive to, but they cannot separate us from God's love. Nor height, nor depth. Literally what that means in the Greek is the path of a star from its beginning to its end. What he's saying here is there is absolutely nothing in the heavens that can separate us from God's love. That if you were to get be able to see everything in the universe, there is nothing out there that you could possibly imagine that could separate you from the love of God. He says, no, just in case, we haven't figured it out by now. And he missed something. Paul says, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Tony Evans says, you may run out of a lot of things in life, but you will never run out of God's And nothing could separate us from his love. It should give us great peace and great joy to know that God loves us. But the thing with understanding God's love is understanding that his love is not the same as our will. And boy, that's hard. And 
I've been in church, Christian, since I was five or six years old. In fact, actually, I remember accepting Christ as Lord and Savior at seven, specifically. And I still question God's love. Because I don't understand his will all the time. But if you and I can get it through our minds that he loves us and there is nothing on earth or in heaven that can keep him from loving us, because that's what this is saying. There is nothing in heaven or on earth that can keep God from loving you. Not our love for him, but his love for us. And we understand the fullness of his love. That we should be able to endure all of those things that the Apostle Paul listed there. Because we know that he loves us and he has a plan and a purpose that's greater than us. Amen. We may not understand it. We may not appreciate it. We may never know it in its fullness and what our life meant until we get to heaven and all is revealed. But know this, that God's purpose for you is greater than than what you believe your purpose for you is. Amen. You are greater than your career, yeah. and you're greater than your IQ score, Amen. and you are greater than your talents, and you are greater than anything the world puts value on, because you are loved by God, Amen. and you are purposed by God to do great things. For his kingdom. Yes. Let us stay. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.